Okay, welcome to the Football Index podcast. And this is on a long list of things I'd never thought I'd say on a Football Index podcast, but I'm joined today by husband and wife, Chrissy and Eddie, who are both Football Index traders. How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? Very well, very well. And yourself, Eddie? Yeah, very well. Uh, Looking forward to it. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, This is kind of like a couples therapy session, isn't it? I know. It could get interesting. I'm quite nervous. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Well, you're clearly popular people because I think this is the most questions that we've ever had. And this is including, you know, the Adam Cole podcast. Some of them were slightly too X-rated to to mention on the the podcast, I think. But um, should, should we get straight into it? Yeah, happy to. Brilliant. So first up from Daily on Twitter, who's the best trader? I think that's quite an easy one. Eddie's definitely the better trader. I'm far more impulsive than Eddie is. Um, He's very knowledgeable when it comes to football. So I'll let him talk for a bit. Um, that, sorry, just that, that sounds a, a very scripted, Chrissy. Did oh, he, did no, he... it wasn't at all. <laughs> I, I know 100% that Eddie's the best trader, and I'm not, okay. I'm not, ashamed, I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, <laughs> he, he definitely knows football more than I do. Um, I, I think I'm quite good, but yeah, I give it to Eddie. He's better than I am. I think I've got the benefit that I've, like, as, like I, I don't know if it sounds sexist, but as a guy, I sort of, you're more immersed in football all your life growing up. Um, and I've had, I, I spent a lot of time sort of watching football, sort of, I used to bet on football a lot. Um, and I, so I, I think I've got more football knowledge. And I think this is a platform, I don't know about trading, but football knowledge wise, I'd definitely say I'm better. But obviously, trading is very different to football knowledge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, the, the things aren't mutually exclusive, are they? But they do do help each other a lot. If your football knowledge is better, you're more likely to do better than someone else who yeah. doesn't have as much football knowledge, Definitely. right? Yeah. But I haven't, I haven't done badly. I'd like to point that out. I think both, both <laughs> of us have struggled because neither of us have ever done any, any sort of trading before. So there's definitely yeah. times, like the first time you see some, someone crashing or something like that, where or the first time all your players drop into red, like that. They're, they're all things that you you have to learn and they're not easy things to learn you like it's, it's not something that's natural or definitely not for me and Chrissy so yeah. we've had to learn that and I think on that perspective we both started off at zero and we're sort of learning everything as we go definitely. in that it, it is certainly hard to see your players drop significantly for the first time I think that takes a bit of getting used to would you guys agree mm-hmm. yeah oh, 100 percent. yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I, I definitely feel like we've both got a bit better at it now mm-hmm. um, but when we started you sort of you hear the advice and you hear people saying oh don't look at the reds don't look at the red and the green just sort of remember the reason that you bought the player but when when you're new to it and you you've got money invested in there that's sort of that is important to you um and you, it's it's hard to sort of take that advice and really sort of run with it and, and not be scared by the red and the green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly so. Very wise words there, Eddie. Um, but we we'll have to move on to the next question. I'm sorry, there's just so many. Uh, the real fi, the the real fi Cole says, who has the biggest, who has the bigger balls? So who's who's the braver one out of the two? Oh, again, I have to say Eddie. I oh. don't like that he's getting all the credit here. But um, It's probably better that I have bigger balls. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. <laughs> um, I think I'm far more impulsive and quick to jump off when I see red. Eddie's far more com- like comfortable 
in seeing the red through, he... But I think even with that, you've got better at that, haven't you? Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. Overall, I do think you've got the bigger balls. But like you say, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there'd be problems if you had bigger balls. Yeah. There'd definitely I, be problems. So. <laughs> yeah. Talk me through that a bit, Eddie. When... Chrissy says that you're a bit more comfortable seeing red perhaps or a bit more comfortable being brave with your investments what what kind of mindset do you take with either of those two things I think um it's easier for me I, because I've got I don't want to I, I, I do have a bit of a bigger football knowledge than Chrissy so a lot of the people that Chrissy's investing in she knows them through football index so when when a player like when a player she doesn't really know that she's done a bit of research on if they go red it's harder for her to sort of look at the intrinsic reasons that she's holding the player. Whereas if if you're familiar with a player and you've maybe you've watched them or you you know you know quite well of them, you you've got more of an idea of actually no this this guy he's he's going to bounce back he's in a bad run of form or whatever and you can you've got you've probably got a bit more confidence in holding a player if you sort of know a bit more about the player. So there's definitely that aspect of it I'd say. Yeah, knowing why you invested in that player in the first place is kind of often the first thing you should do when you think about selling a player if that's right yeah exactly like it's easy to i I see a lot of people saying when when you want to sell someone remember the reasons you bought them if they've changed then maybe you could think about exiting the trade but there are times when you i think we're both quite impulsive we both buy players sort of on a whim at times um and you probably more so like you might watch a game and you someone might impress you and you you buy that player whereas with me i just sort of I might see a name that I haven't seen for uh, six months or so and think, oh, he's still about. I think he's got, got what it takes to some, for something to happen. And then I'll go in yeah, on that player. definitely. I think my downfall is that I'm good at the research and I see the stats and I see stats that's probably going to result in a player rising. So I buy. But then a week down the line, I look at this player and I struggle to remember the reasons why I bought. Whereas Eddie is far better at really absorbing all of the stats, all of the information and really remembering those reasons, I need to write it down. And if I don't write it down, I forget. So if I see the red, <laughs> if I see the red, I'm out. <laughs> quite often you'll say to me, you'll, you'll say quite often, oh, this guy's red. Like, I don't even know who he is or why I bought him. And then I'll have to sort of, I'll jog your memory on him and I'll say, no, he's a good, he, he's a good yeah. player, he pays for so so whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's quite, that's quite a regular conversation. <laughs> so it's good coaching going on there so Chrissy like what what are you doing to make yourself better at being comfortable when you see those red holds um I don't think I'm doing anything better as such I think I'd like, I don't want to make it sound like my whole portfolio is in red but I'm just getting more <laughs> used to seeing red and understanding that a lot of these players do bounce back I mean in the early days I know there's quite a few people that sort of followed my early tweets. I was on like Salah, Dybala, Payet, Depay, and they all, within an hour of me buying, were down between 5 and 10p, which is so small when I, look, when I think back about, like when I look back now. But in the early days, when I saw those, those sort of those red numbers, I just, I just wanted out. And, um, I think that's where I've bettered myself. I see red and I can go into the minus 30s and the minus 40s and be a lot more confident that they'll come back from that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not so much thinking that they could come back. It's more, are they still value at that price or do I still think they'll go up from that price? I still think some people are, they're really 
obsessed with if a player goes down, say, 30 pence, which is quite a lot, especially if that player is not that expensive, that they're a £3 player and they go down to two, 260 or whatever. Traders will often not sell until they go out of the red and back into the green. And I think that's another thing that people need to look at. You might be better off looking at that actual price. And we say this so often on this podcast, but that's one thing for maybe for listeners to take away from. But next question. Uh, this was a weird one. Ian Merrick, would you rather be attacked by one horse sized dog or a dozen chicken sized dogs? Yeah, I saw this question and that is a really easy one for me. I'm scared of dogs anyway, and I would far rather fight off a dozen chicken-sized dogs. If I saw a horse-sized dog running at me, I would die before it reached me. <laughs> I th- I th- it's like a, a horse. A horse-sized dog could actually eat you alive. Like it could probably rip you apart. Yeah, I'm a small Doesn't... person anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Dozen sick, dozen chicken-sized dogs. I reckon I could probably fight off. I'm not sure. What exactly. about you, Eddie? To me, like a dozen chicken-sized dogs. That just sounds like a bunch of poodles. Like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That was an easy one. Okay, well, strange questions aside, uh, I think we've got one more weird or jokey one from F.I. Bruce Wayne, our very own Batman. If you could only have one, what would it be, your partner or your F.I. portfolio? Well, that's an easy one. Like. Football index all the way. (laughs) 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 No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course, I'm joking. I was going the other way. Obviously, I would say bye to my portfolio and pick my husband. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Of course, yeah. Of course, of course. I don't think we need to dwell on that one. Uh, Football index SOTD. So, who joined first? I joined first. Um, I was trying to think back on sort of what, how I heard about the index, and I, I genuinely can't remember where the first time I, I heard about it was. But I remember I downloaded the app. I th- it might have been a TalkSport radio because I listen to TalkSport quite a lot. Um, I downloaded the app um, and I sat on it for about two weeks without doing anything because when the, that first time you download it, it's quite confusing. You don't really understand sort of what's going on. Um, I know you talk about the onboarding process quite a lot, but there isn't a great deal to sort of, when, when you just start, there isn't a great deal to sort of get you understanding what's going on. Um, and I think I put about 20 quid in it um, after a couple of weeks. And I did, I did quite well on that 20 quid I, quite, quite quickly. And I, I came up to Chrissy and I sort of tried, I, I was completely convinced she was going to shoot me down and say, this is a ridiculous idea. What are you talking about? Like we've worked hard for this money, but I sort of tried to sell her. Let's put, let's put a bit of money in this. If I've made this, this much money in this space of time, think what we could do with, 10 times that or 20 times that yeah that was exactly the conversation he had turned the 20 pounds into 30 pounds and my thought process was imagine if that 20 pounds was 2000 pounds um imagine how much money we would have made just then and I was so like I wanted to be involved and I I've always known that Eddie's got good football knowledge and so it just seems like a very right thing to invest our money in I think when I found it it felt almost almost too good to be true because it's it's something where you can profit from something that you love which is like that's I don't think things like that come around that often um because I mean I've spent countless hours and weeks watching watching football and playing football and all, all things around football and then all of a sudden like there's always betting where you could profit from football but you never really I mean maybe some people are much better at betting than me <laughs> but over, over a long period of time I don't think 
many people come out massively on top on betting. No, they they don't do they. I mean, I say it quite often on the podcast that about five percent profit. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's not a lot, is it? Um, and I, when, when I used to bet, I used to always tell people, "Oh yeah, I've had this winner come in," but you never talk yeah, about all the losing ones, do you? Um, but yeah, so then all of a sudden, I found this thing which seemed almost yeah, like I say, almost too good to be true because you were you were profiting from something that actually encouraged me to make Christy watch more football, which was perfect. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, so <laughs> big win, big win. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then so I sort of I I thought she would say, "Yeah, let's stick a hundred in." But then we actually ended up putting fifteen hundred in that first day, um, and yeah, like it was yeah from that it all went from there, yeah, yeah. And so so convincing each other wasn't an, a, an issue then. Uh, by the sounds of it, Football Index SOTD also says, "Did you have to convince each other?" But it seems as though it was an easy decision. Yeah, I thought I would have to convince her. I, I didn't go into that. I sort of I researched a bit about it, and sort of I had all these stats to sort of throw at her and say. All right, look, we can do this, we can do this, this person's done that. But in the end, she was she was well up for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last question here from SOTD is, what are each other's worst holds? So do you have something, some a player that really divides opinion between the two of you? Um, like If you had asked me this a week ago, it would have been a really easy answer. Like Eddie was obsessed with Ganso from Amiens. Like, <laughs> I'm mean, obsessed with a bit much, I'll say. Not. Yeah. Like, honestly, every day he would tell me stats about Danso. Like, he's a 29 year old. Last season he played seven games. The season before he played five games. And you'd expect that for like a 16 year old. But at 29, where do you go from there? And I was just, he had 500 shares with him, of him. And we would constantly sort of debate whether this was a good hold or not. And I mean, if you look at, at Danso's. Uh, one month graph you can clearly see that Eddie listened to his wife eventually because you see a massive drop in him <laughs> and uh that definitely stands out as as a so as can a... I can I defend myself a little bit here um so <laughs> yeah I mean so the Ganso trade it wasn't my best trade by a long by a long stretch but um he he was like he was this kid who was like a genius kid at Santos um and I really sort of thought he he went to Amiens in in France and he'd been at I think Sevilla before and he hadn't really played for them. But I thought this this finally might be the club where he sort of wakes up and does something. And I thought at that price he was like sixty p or something. And I thought at that price he's the type of guy that could just have one good game and then do you know what I mean he like goes through the roof. One good game with the five that he's allowed to start in. And also also I wasn't even expecting him to like I wasn't expecting a massive price rise from him or anything from him. I just it, there's there's something quite nice about buying someone from an underdog team and just giving you some sort of vested interest in the underdog team and sort of so every every week when Amiens were playing I would sort of keep an eye out for them and it turned out he didn't actually play in every game which was a bit disappointing for me but um, no like, I, I fully understand that was a bad trade but I I don't regret it at all because I enjoyed it. That's fair enough. I mean, uh, people pay for enjoyment all the time. So, I mean, if you, <laughs> yeah, like I did pay, I did pay a bit in the end of it, even if you pay um, dearly. But yeah, like I think one thing about football index is you've got to enjoy it. And sometimes I do, you, you do do things that you, you know, maybe they're not the most profitable things, and you know they're not going to be. But like a large part of it is you, you want to enjoy it as well. You want to have a bit of fun with it, and maybe that comes back to like when when you used to bet. Like sometimes you would bet on a game to have some sort of interest in a game to make you watch a game and make yeah. you sort of 
excited by it. And I think sometimes I use index a bit like that, just to just to add a bit of excitement to uh, to a game or to football to or to life yeah. or to know. life. To <laughs> life. Well, not to life. <laughs> Life's great, but you know. <laughs> well, well. Um... Yeah, I mean, to life would be uh, worrying. But uh, what about the other way? What, what's what's Chrissy's uh, worst hold or been her worst hold in the past that you really disagreed with? Um, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think she's got a terrible hold. Um, she's got a lot of holds that are a bit frustrating. So I can't really say one of her holds are terrible because every most people she buys, she sort of runs through me and I sort of give her, I, I sort of say, yeah, he's, he's a good one, get him. Um so if I were to say that she had a terrible hold, I'm sort of slagging myself off a little bit. Um, but she's got a lot of frustrating holds. You know, those sort of holds that you expect, you, you think are going to do great things and they never really kick on, they never really go anywhere. Um, so Milik was one that we both sort of had big hopes on for the season. Um, and he's he's not really done it. He's, he's not been terrible, but she's got a lot of holds like that where they just haven't sort of picked up the traction that you would have expect, expected at this time. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think there are a lot of those players, especially in squads that have quite a few players in similar positions. I mean, you look at Napoli now with Insigne, Milik, Callahan, Dries, Mertens, Verdi. There's quite a lot of players in those positions and I think you can either win big or lose in those situations. I think it was a podcast with TC a few or maybe several episodes ago when he talked about uh, Emerson and Alonso at left back for Chelsea and how there was some debate in the Chelsea community as to who was going to start and I think he'd pegged his bets on Emerson and that didn't work out but the the upside would have been big so maybe if he went back he would have done it again you know and even even if I mean sometimes in situations like that you don't have to hold until like you can get out just before the first game of the season and because enough people thought that Emerson was going to be left back his price would have gone up considerably yeah definitely I know that a lot of people did make that trade and a lot of people you know sold half kept half uh there was a few like that that I think you could profit on quite a bit at the beginning of the season but move on speaking of arguments earlier Jay or LFC trader says have there ever been an argument over FI where Eddie is relegated to the sofa I mean now I don't think anything's gone that far between you two I I should hope anyway but has there ever been any arguments over football index players or just in general the app we've we've bickered a lot like there have been times when um you've got different opinions and you, you bicker but I don't think there's ever been anything that serious, has there? No, there's never been arguments. I think there's been frustrations. I think when, because we've got quite different portfolios, it's very rare that we're both having a good day at the same time. And when I know that I'm having a good day and Eddie's having a bad day, I tend to stay quite silent. Whereas if it's the other way around and Eddie's having a good day and I'm having a bad day, I get bombarded with rocket and aubergine emojis. (laughs) <laughs> and that frustrates me because I'm naturally quite a bad loser. And so getting those messages and knowing that I'm not doing quite so well, I don't, it doesn't cause an argument, but he does get the silent treatment. And there has been a few nights where he's not been relegated to the sofa, but I've gone to bed early. Um, <laughs> and that's the extent of sort of the bickering and the arguments. I just sort of forget that other people are involved. And you know, when you've had a good day, you sort of, you want to share it, don't you? You want to say yeah. to someone. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's so no fun having some ways a good time on your own, right? Yeah, in some ways it's difficult because yeah. most people, most traders, when they've had a great day, when when someone's won PB for them or whatever, and they've had a really good day, they go home to their missus and they say, oh, what's his name, won PB for me. But for me, <laughs> I say that I say that to Chrissy, and she's like, well, I've just lost. Blah, blah, blah. 
yeah, that, that is difficult. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, so, next question is by Jean Gerian, the uh, lovely man from Germany that is... Uh, <laughs> So he says, "What do you think of pumpers, the pump and dumpers?" So I think we've seen a few in the index Twitter community recently outed or talks about. Uh, it's not great, is it? But what are your thoughts? It's definitely not great. It's really like it's it's a sort of it's a selfish tactic. It's how can I profit from other people's sort of not misery, but other people losing out. Um, so I don't think anyone can be a big fan of it, but. I remember when I started, I think I probably suffered a couple of pump and dumps. I think most people did. Um, and I I do sort of think it can it can sort of be the making of you. Like as in if you're if you're willing to cash out because you've been a victim of a pump and dump, then maybe you're not sort of meant for the index because there's a lot of sort of negative feelings that come when when you're a bit further down the line. And if if you can't take that first negative one and you can't sort of deal with that and think all right I've got I shouldn't have followed that advice and sort of move on from it and learn from your mistake then maybe you're not that well suited to the index like obviously I'm not I'm not saying that pumping and dumping is right because it's obviously not um but I do I do sort of think people do need to learn to do their own research and sometimes okay. learning the hard way is the best way of learning Definitely. you've got to accept that pumping and dumping has become a part of the index and um, You've got you've got to turn a blind eye to it, and like Eddie said, just do your own research, know why you bought the players you bought, and be confident in why you bought them. I think when there's this much money involved in things, and you can you stand to make, I know I know these pump and dumpers probably don't actually make that much money from it, but when whenever there's something involved with money, there's always going to be people that try and profit from other people. Like that's it's the way of the world, and as much as yeah, as a community yeah, yeah. we can sort of say this is wrong, which it is. We can't like there's what what more can you do like you you can't you can't ostracize people from the community because like it's not a physical community is it it's a twitter community well i mean you don't have to ostracize them but uh, you, you know I, I mean i'm not going to toot my own horn but i screenshotted uh, i forgot who the guy's name was where he was trying to pump his player and clearly selling him at the same time it's very stupid of him but i, I think maybe a bit a bit more of that kind of has to happen i think like because if if that does happen if people are outed for clearly not adding any value to this community and just trying to profit off it as you said eddie from other people's losses then they should be outed for it at the same time there's also their counter argument that or a couple of counter arguments actually that one that maybe football index should try and I say that onboarding word so many times these days, but try and educate their users a bit more when they're first starting. And at the uh, and the other argument, of course, is that every person is their own person at the end of the day. They have to do their own research and everyone's an adult on Football Index. They have to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. At the yeah, end. I think the onboarding thing is, is key to this because if everyone is onboarded and they they understand how, how it all works, then you're probably less likely to to fall for one of these tricks. And it is easy to fall for them because when when someone pumps someone, even like, I, like I'm an experienced user, well, not experienced, but I, I know I, I've been on the platform for long enough to know when someone's pumping someone. Um, but you can see, you can almost see the value in some of these players and you know they're going to get dumped so you don't buy them and maybe you buy them after they're dumped. But sometimes the arguments that they come out with to support a player that they, they might be going to dump down the line are valid arguments mm. and they can almost open your eyes to hold on if you just wait 
a couple of minutes or a couple of days until the pumping and dumping is done, you could pick up that player and he could actually yeah. turn because they 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 encourage users to buy them by giving fairly solid reasons to buy them and they're not always solid but sometimes you see you see them and you think yeah actually he's a decent player like there's no reason not to buy him but it's just important not to get caught up in the initial dumping yeah find the right time to buy yeah there's also that annoying thing that maybe when players are being pumped by certain traders even experienced traders tend to get on those players just because they know they're going to rise because newbies or less experienced traders are going to get on them if that makes sense this makes me sound a bit bad now but in the early days i sort of twigged there was there was a particular person on twitter that did a lot of pumping and dumping and i set up notifications on twitter for his tweets so as soon as he sort of pumped a player i bought because i knew that people would buy into them and i don't do that anymore because I just there's, there's nicer ways to make money it didn't sit right in the end um but you're absolutely right that more experienced players can also make money off of the back of somebody else pumping and dumping and it, i mean you feel you feel dirty doing it but it's you know definitely it but, but, but yeah like you can make money from it and it, it isn't a nice way to make money i didn't like it and i yeah i didn't do it for long don't do it now but it is it is it is something that's out there I think it's what what Chrissy said. It's a way of making money. I think the fact that the index, there are so many different ways of way, make, making money on it. That once you've been on it for maybe a month, you you probably realise I, I made money doing it doing that. But there's so many other sort of ethical ways of making money yeah. that I don't I don't need to bother myself with making money like that. Following yeah. following the tipsters and trying to jump on jump on just after them and jump on off just before them yeah. because there's. That's the great thing about the index. There is a million different ways of making money on it. And you don't have to follow a set agenda to do that. Yeah, more enjoyable ways as well. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Well, uh, that that leaves us there for... Oh, and actually, no, we have one more question. All right, so moving on to the next question. This is from James at James and then a load of sevens. He says, what is it like not having to hide your portfolio from your other half? (laughs) Um, it's really nice, although sometimes I've got to be honest, I do still hide my portfolio from my other half, like not my whole portfolio. Oh, obviously she knows, yeah, she knows that um, like how much money I've got in it. But I do, I've got a tendency to buy players that I know she won't really appreciate, like Ganso. Yeah, like Ganso. <laughs> um, so I don't hide my hide my whole activities from her. But every now and then I do sort of buy someone on the sly and maybe not tell her about it. And then the only time I ever tell her about it is if if something good happens. It's, I guess it's a bit like my betting. Like you don't tell the people you don't tell the people when you lose, but you tell them when you win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I do think that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one. It's a weird one because I think it's it's a weird thing even to explain to your friends who don't really know what football index is like oh what's that app and you're like oh well here we go again basically you're trading virtual match tax with some value added um and it's just it's just one of those it's actually probably why i started making this content everyone kept asking me about it when it first started gaining some traction in the mainstream and and then i was like you know what i'm not gonna answer these questions like a gajillion times over and over and over again i'm just gonna try and make a you know 
kind of centralized place where I can have all these answers. But before we go on, um, just want to make sure that everyone knows that my face is also out there, not just my voice. If you go over to my YouTube channel, Football Index Guide, then you can find some great content there that can hopefully help you out. Uh, maybe you can, I don't know, maybe learn a thing or two by looking at some of those videos that i made especially if you're a newbie check out the beginner's guide it's uh, been a help i think to quite a few people over 10,000 views on that one which has been great if you want to see some written content from uh, myself and liam and for index ldm then please dm us one of us or email me uh, and we can add you to the sign-up list or send you the subscription list. And if you want to hear my voice speak about just football, not football index, head over to the State of Play pod where Matt Santangelo and I dissect everything from European football to the MLS. Good fun there. And if you want to collaborate or sponsor the podcast, hit me up at football.index.guide at gmail.com. But now we're back onto the show, guys. Fitty Index 102. Do you... N- <laughs> Sorry, this one's funny. Do you nervously <laughs> do you nervously hide your phone and act suspicious because you're having an affair and naughty texting or because you've just purchased 500 of a player and don't want the other one knowing? Definitely the second one. <laughs> <laughs> so has has that been that thing where one of you buys a player, the other doesn't know about it, they rise loads in price, one of you is happy about it and then the other's like, why the hell didn't you tell me to buy that player? Not quite like that because we we split our portfolios quite. We we never buy the same player um, because we, we we get into problems when we do that. But yeah, um, but there there are certain like Chrissy doesn't really like or like buzz people. Um, well, I don't. Know, you you explain that. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't like buzz people. Obviously, buzz people make a lot of money. Um, I think I got into this headspace in the early days that buzzmen were quite annoying. And so when Eddie became a buzzman, I was a bit like, well, I didn't sign up to this. I didn't marry a buzzman. And now all of a sudden I'm married to him. And I felt like as soon as he got on all of the like the media buzz players, that's when the rocket emojis started. Uh, that just seems to be a trait of buzz people. Um, I've kind of forgotten what the question is and where I've where I'm going with this but <laughs> I think it was a time there was one time I I I don't Neymar right at the start and then just before he scored his hat-trick again or did he score, score three or I think a hat-trick against Red Star um I bought him that morning and he scored the hat-trick um and Chrissy was sort of because she she doesn't like Neymar because he's because he's a show pony <laughs> and he rolls around on the ground which is completely understandable and I don't like Neymar to be honest but I bought him because He'd just won a PB, I think, the weekend before. And he'd had that period at the start of the season where everyone was like, oh, what's going on with him? Um, but he, yeah, he won that PB the weekend before. And I sort of thought, oh, maybe he's, maybe he's going to start start rolling now. So I bought him that morning, oh, yeah. knowing that they were playing yeah. Medstar. I didn't tell Chrissy yeah. because I knew how much she would judge me for it. And then you did tell me, I definitely gave him the Yeah, and then as soon as he scored his first goal, I was like, oh, I bought 300 Neymar this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so so not quite quite as bad as uh, having to explain why you didn't tell the other why uh, why you why you didn't tell them to buy players. Right. So so next we've got a three parter from Golfing Granddad. He first question is how do you do most of your research on relatively unknown players? So why don't you go first, Eddie? The the short answer. Well, I don't know, I don't know if there's a short answer. Like I watch a lot of football, so. Um, I I enjoy watching the sort of 
I think I probably enjoy the foreign leagues a bit more than the English league now that I'm on the football index because I think a lot of like a lot of people always watch the English league um, and probably less people watch the foreign leagues. Um, so I watch I watch a lot of the foreign leagues. So I'm sort of quite familiar with the players anyway. So I've sort of built up an idea of who who these players are and what I think of them. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I've got I think I've probably got a podcast on all the different foreign leagues there are I think all the PB leagues anyway at least <laughs> can you recommend some I think golfing granddad's asked you to recommend some websites apps podcasts on different leagues yeah I can um so I think I've got two for the French league I've what I listen to French football weekly which is is good uh it's not it's not very well sort of produced or anything but it's I mean if you're interested in the French league you'll enjoy it um and there's get french football news who are the big twitter site they do a podcast as well so i listen to that as well um there's talking foosball for germany um there's the calcio land with david amoyal um for italy and who haven't i mentioned spain uh sidlow's spanish what's i can't remember what that's called don't ask me um the spanish football podcast i think yeah that's that's what it's called it's the spanish football podcast yeah 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 i think that's that's it um, so I, I listen to them, um, but I wouldn't say they help me that much with research. Every now and then they might mention a player who I will then go and research. But um, I think if 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 you're not into if, if you're not bothered by the foreign leagues and you're not massively into the foreign leagues and you don't massively want to learn about the foreign leagues, I wouldn't use those as a research tool because you have to sit through an hour of them talking about the, the fixtures that week and the news that week just to maybe potentially hear about one one kid who might be half decent. So I, I wouldn't say that's massively a research tool, but that's more of a sort of broadening your understanding of the foreign leagues and sort of building opinions on them. Research-wise, I don't. to be honest, I don't do that much research on a player. Um, I use I use Index Gain. They've got the BuzzBot, which obviously that's a really good tool. So I use that quite a lot. Um, Edge for... I use Edge quite a lot. Edge in the in the summer revolutionised how I was trading, um, but I think I, I generally I'm quite impulsive. So if I see someone that I like the look of, and then I generally just tend to go in on them. Yeah, I I think I'm quite stuck in old ways. Um, I use Spotmob the app a lot. I've always used that before um, Football Index. I used it for accumulators and for fantasy football. So it's an app that I'm comfortable comfortable using. They've got a lot of team stats where you can uh, look at sort of average possession and accurate passes. And if I see a team that is particularly highlighted, then you can go in more detail into player stats and look at average shots on target, penalty takers, key passes. And it's little pieces of information on FOTMOB that make players catch my eye enough for me to look more into. So if someone does catch my eye, then I would go to sort of Google and Twitter news feeds and look to see if there's any relevant or current stories that may spark a rise in that player. Or I even look for old transfer news that's got the potential to resurface, especially now that it's leading up to January. Yeah, that's a really powerful one, isn't it? I think looking at old transfer news, who are the guys that always get linked? What teams really need particular positions? I think I've spoken about this in podcasts ages back where it's very logical to look at a team and look at their requirements their necessities from a transfer market point of view then look at players who might be at smaller clubs who they could be reeled away from and then just kind of put two and two together and hope for a rumor 
kind of predicting those rumours is the, the best way to make money on Football Index in the transfer market. I, I think I do. A lot of my trades are sort of preemptive. Like I, I, I trade quite a lot on transfers. They're, they're, they're definitely... I, I joined, I think I joined in April and that was just as transfer season was sort of amping up for, for the summer. Um, so I've always enjoyed transfer rumours. Um, and... Yeah, I think if you can if you can get on before before that rumor emerges, then that that's when you make money because everyone is sort of checking out the gossip column and things like that and sort of seeing seeing who's been mentioned. But it's when you get on before that that's when you make the proper money, isn't it? Yeah. And it's it's not it's not as hard to do as it looks um, because you can you can see the players that are performing well at smaller clubs and you know you know they're sort of destined for bigger things. And even if that transfer rumor doesn't pop up this exactly. this this transfer window. Sooner or later, it is going to pop up, and it's a three-year hold. And at the end of the day, if you if you've got if you can identify someone that you believe to be a, a, a potential top quality player, and they're not playing at one of the one of the elite clubs, you know, sooner or later, they're going to have those rumours, and they're going to they're going to be there and thereabouts. Mm, yeah, I, I, it's a tactic that I've looked at before, where you can just collate loads of transfer rumours and, and players that have been linked to different clubs and you know just keep uh, keep track of them and then just hope for those uh, uh, rumours to resurface but we'll move on to Govin Gradan's next question how do you weight actually watching matches and players involved versus stats and research side of it I think you mentioned Eddie that you watch a lot of football and that that might be the main crux of why you buy certain players um, it is but like it goes two ways so obviously watching football is great because sometimes you'll watch a game and someone will really take your eye and you'll think yeah this guy's class but it sometimes you watch a game and someone doesn't really catch your eye and you think nothing really happened in that game and then you check the pb stats so like i watched betis at the start of the season and obviously the betis defense is gold at the moment but they didn't actually catch my like as in footballing terms they they were nothing special i didn't think but then you look at their PB scores, and so in some ways the stats are crucial because you you have to you've got to look at both of them together almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if I had to choose one, I would probably choose the stats because it's great watching the player. Um, but at the end of the day, football index is more stats based than it is. It doesn't it doesn't matter if someone's great at football yeah. on football index. It's the stats, um, that it's the stats that translate into money and dividends. For sure. And I think people need to start looking at stats more and more, particularly if Football Index start changing the performance bars algorithm or adding layers of PB. There's going to be a lot of things that you need to research if these things are added and layers are put on top of this product. So we need to wait and see where that goes. But uh, Football Madge, M-A-D-J, it's been a weird month on FI. What's your take on it? And what do you think the next move from AC and the gang should be in order to stabilise trader sentiment and continue to grow the product? Now, to give some context, I think this is before the deposit bonus, before Adam Cole's kind of letter from the heart to his football index community what what are your thoughts on the last month guys it's definitely been an interesting one uh, it's definitely been a slower one um i think the goals and assists dividends sort of threw us all when it was first announced we were actually up in legoland um and within five minutes of that being announced our portfolios went up probably about 800 pounds and we were just due to take the kids out um, so we sort of left on a high thinking 
wow, we're going to come back in an hour and see what's our portfolio going to be. Yeah, sort of massive growth. Um, And obviously that didn't happen. We came back and the £800 that we had made had actually turned into, we had lost about £1,500. And that sort of set the tone for the month, I would say. It was... It was a frustrating month, but also you really had to look into what Football Index were, t- were trying to achieve. And the more you, the more that we looked into the goals and assists, the more we decided it doesn't actually affect the way that we play Football Index that much. We don't have to buy into these goal scorers and the these assist players. We we just need to continue what we're doing. And if that ha- if if that so happens that we buy someone that scores goals, then then great. We're going to get the added bonus that we'll get the dividends at the end of the 30 days. Um, and so I can fully appreciate why people think this has been a frustrating month because I would tend to agree. But I think when you look at the bigger picture, especially where Eddie and I are concerned, we've still made... We've still, yeah, we've still like, made yeah, money. We've still made money yeah. And you can't... You can't complain about that. I just... Uh... I think the whole goals and assisting is funny because for me, like, obviously, straight afterwards, when, when my portfolio like sank quite a lot straight after the announcement, um, and I think most people's did, um, it's, it's hard to sort of be positive about it. And I was I was feeling quite negative. And I, was feeling, I was feeling quite like, oh, they've just, they've moved the goalposts and things like that. They've devalued defenders, all those, all those sort of problems with it. But then about a week later, I thought, like, at the end of the day, it is another way to make money. It, like they, I think you could tell from, from their reaction on Twitter, they were quite defensive about the whole thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's because they genuinely thought they were, they were doing, doing something that we would love. And then I think they were quite surprised by the reaction that traders gave. Um, I think... It, like traders just seem to lose confidence in the product. And I can understand that because I felt like the goalposts had been moved a bit. So say I, I've got quite a lot of defenders in my portfolio, they 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 bottomed out. And I was I was a bit annoyed about that because I hadn't like the reasons I had for buying were still exactly the same, but all of a sudden they were less valuable. And that's hard to take. But then one thing that I really liked about the goal and assist dividends was that I don't think many people have mentioned is it gave it gave value to number nines. Because um, forever since I've been on football index, everyone's gone gone on about how strikers have to be number tens to win PB, and like you get the odd number nine winning it. But I, like for me, goals are the lifeblood of football. So all of a sudden, these players that were the most important players for their clubs, like the lower the sort of the the lower half players in the lower half teams in the division, they're players that score them goals that set, that keep them up are suddenly worth a bit of money. Whereas before they were just they were dead dead players that they, they're almost like goalkeepers no one no one would buy them because they didn't do anything yeah. and I quite like them having a bit of value because they're important to football um and they were quite easy to sort of pick out as well and I don't think I don't think that's the worst thing in the world but I think the way they did it obviously with devaluing defenders and the poor communications at the time there were there were problems with it but by and large I I felt like traders overreacted mm-hmm. in a negative way towards it. Was that reaction emphasised by the way it was communicated and executed, do you think, though? Yeah, I think it definitely was, without a shadow of a doubt, because they built it. But I, I can sort of understand it because they built it up, because I genuinely believe. I know they, they brought it out because it was, a, it was a bonus to traders, but also a bonus to them with commissions. So there wasn't the transparency where they said, look, 
we're like we we need more commission to keep going or i don't know the finances of it but um yeah they they didn't come out with the transparency of saying it also benefits commission but they they were offering us a dividend that wasn't available before which is a good thing so i it might be might be but I, he's he mentioned it being sort of when you sell a player it sort of takes the edge off the commission because when you buy a new player with that money you've got a chance of winning some dividends and that's that's a good thing isn't it um or to me anyway and mm. i i feel like the the negative sentiment, whilst I understand it, I think it went a bit over the top. Yeah, for sure. What do you think comes next? Like, what do you think? What do you think their plan is in the slightly longer term? Like, I'm not entirely sure what their plan is, but I think they they've got to focus on building a confidence in current traders. I feel there's a there's an emphasis on getting new traders on board at the moment. When there's there's niggly things in their current setup that that, that need to be addressed um, and make make the current traders comfortable um i think the current traders are just as important if not more so important than getting new new traders on board i think i think there's a lot of like i don't want to sort of I, like because i'm very positive about football i think the company's fantastic and it's going a lot of places but there, there are little things that sort of that bother me a little bit from a sort of a new a new customer perspective like there's like the whole reserve reserve price thing when you sell a player i don't understand mm-hmm. why that's still on there um it's it's a small little thing but there was a facebook thread the other day um about to about a a user saying he's gone to sell someone on reserve price and it hasn't worked and it's little things like that that really affect new users confidence in the product and there's like obviously we all know that football index is not scam it's not a pyramid scheme it's nothing like that but there's there are new users that come on and that is like if you type in football index if you like pyramid scheme comes up quite soon afterwards and it is a fear <laughs> it, it is a fear of like of people who are investing money or scam or whatever yeah. um it is a fear of people hold on this seems too good to be true could it like could it be a scam and then all of a sudden if they the first player that they go to sell if they go to sell into market and then the reserve price doesn't work i think that's got a really really negative impact on people and i don't i don't understand how difficult that can be to take off because Definitely. from when i've joined it's been a thing where everyone just says, yeah, it's never worked. And I completely get that. It's never worked. That doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm fine with it. So just take it off. But there are, there yeah. are people that might go to a reserve sale and then they get told, no, it doesn't work. Like you're, you're stuck with a sale price. Like that's that's not a good impression. Yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah. Mm, interesting stuff. Well, uh, happy to hear your thoughts there about the the future of football index and certainly some really interesting ones. Next question from FI Trader Sal. This is kind of alluding to what you were talking about with uh, making right choices and improving as a trader, Chrissy, earlier. How long after you joined did you feel, did you really feel you knew the product and were making the right decision choices regularly? The right trading decisions choices regularly? I feel like that's kind of an ongoing process. Um, My early days definitely weren't good. I feel... The World Cup was definitely a hiccup. I feel like my portfolio completely broke over that that time. Um, and it was a World Cup that really forced me to evaluate where I was going with this. And that's where I just, I changed my strategy, um, didn't I? I? I took off all my World Cup players because it just wasn't working for me. And that's when I moved into the lower end of the market and found a strategy that worked with me and that I was comfortable on. I think I think the most important thing is finding a strategy that you're comfortable on because everyone's got different strategies, haven't they? Uh, there's so many different ways to play it, but 
you 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 tried on the sort of the premium players and you you weren't comfortable on it so you moved to the lower end and then you made good money on there and you, and you felt comfortable as well and I think it's easy to sort of go go with the flow and sort of go with what what Twitter tells you to do and you you should be on these players this player that player but at the end of the day if you're not comfortable on a player then you're always going as soon as you see that red then you're going to get twitchy yeah but yeah you were much more comfortable on the lower players so that's just yeah yeah, definitely. And I just still to this day, I'm, I'm always learning. I don't feel at all that I've got the perfect way to trade. I'm sure, Eddie, you're the same. I just, it's a yeah, it's an ongoing learning, process. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's about learning what's best for you, isn't it? Not necessarily learning what's best for someone else. Yeah, definitely. Mm, good stuff. Next question. Rio Index asks, are your portfolios pretty similar, sharing the same strategy, players and research, or do you have different strategies and each use different research to choose players? I think we've covered a lot of these things, but in terms of the actual makeup of your portfolios, are they quite similar? No, I'd say they're, they're, they're pretty much chalk and cheese. Um, so I, I, I've, I think there are elements of our portfolios that sort of over overlap, um, but generally... I'm probably more higher end than Chrissy, mm-hmm. uh, and she's she looks for the sort of the gems in the lower end. I'd say. Yeah, we don't have any players that are the same. I almost feel like my portfolio is a cheap version of Eddie's. <laughs> I think we have similar strategies where, like transfer speculation, and we look, both look for capital appreciation. But like Eddie said he looks at the higher end and I look at the lower end of both of those things yeah interesting question by Rio I mean I think it's interesting in like statistically men are less scared or like more risky more risky if that makes sense like they yeah I think think that's fair that's just a general statistic and that clearly kind of maybe reflects on both your trading tactics yeah, no, I do think that's fair. I think on the higher end, when there's drops, the drops are far more severe than when you're on the lower end. And I like that's exactly why I'm more comfortable on the lower end. Again, my impulsiveness comes into play here. On If I was on the higher end and I saw sort of a 50p drop, that would make me panic. I think you're quite emotionally invested as well. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're probably more emotionally invested than me. So when one of your players say... He, gets a bad injury he's out for two months and he drops like you you probably like that affects that affects your mood I think a little yeah bit. yeah I can't see past yeah that that's that's the big thing in your life that's the, the difference and, yeah, yeah that wasn't Dis- Dis- distancing yourself from it can be hard but it's definitely necessary to make yourself as good a trader as possible next question from Alan Cooper <laughs> have you ever pumped and dumped a player on each other uh, that's a bit of a sore subject, that one. <laughs> um, I, no way. I wouldn't say I, I ever pumped and dumped, but in the early, so we, now nowadays we don't have any of the same players because there were a lot of periods early on when I would be sort of like following the news and I would say to Chrissy, oh, look, so-and-so's just been linked with Man United or whatever. Um, and then I, I would suggest we both get on and I would I would normally get on before her because I obviously I saw the news first. Um and then so she'd be paying a higher price so she'd get on after me um and then two days down the line when you're still sort of holding that player waiting for that news to develop if if they were then linked with someone else or something else happened to lower that guy's price 
I would I, I would get off him and then maybe something else <laughs> something else would happen um, and I'd get distracted and I wouldn't tell Chrissy straight away and she would get home from work and be like oh did you see so and so's drop and I was like oh yeah I might have been sold him earlier and that that led to, that was you know earlier you mentioned about the um, sleeping on the couch that that was that was one that probably could have led to that oh, interesting stuff yeah that does happen I mean I've got friends that you know I've recommended players to and they've asked me if they if I still have them and I'm like oh no sold them a couple of weeks ago sorry about that mate just completely forgot to tell you or well, I forgot I even forgot I even mentioned that they they might be a good purchase so it, you know it happens I'm sure it's nothing personal I think the problem with it is is it's the whole nature of football index is it's, it's quite hard to sort of not look out for yourself on it so when you're doing it sort of with someone else you like I always look at my portfolio first and make my changes first and then sort of then my, my next thought is Chrissy, which probably isn't the right way to, I don't know. For, for a football index way, it's great, but for a marriage way, it's maybe not so good. <laughs> oh, interesting stuff. Next question from Football Index Focus. And you've talked about impulse a lot, Chrissy. How impulsive are you both the purchasers? For example, would you only buy players based on days or weeks of research, or do you sometimes just dive in? I think we've talked about this a little bit, but why don't you elaborate just a little bit more? Yeah, we have talked about it and we do put a lot of research in and I would say the majority of both of our portfolios are based on a lot of research. Um, but there's definitely there's definitely still impulsiveness. Um, I and Eddie, we still want that quick win and we'll get on in play trades because we want that quick turnaround. We want that quick profit it's that buzz isn't it yeah it's the, it is, the buzz you get it is a buzz win. and i think that just stems back to the days that betting was our was Don't our buzz <laughs> yeah um and i don't really see that ever changing the majority being research but there's definitely going to be the minority of in play and trying to play for that quick win i would say chrissy definitely does more research than me because like quite often i'll, I'll walk into the room and she's she's sort of so deep in football she doesn't even notice i've walked in the room because <laughs> she's just like uh, so she definitely she puts a lot of work into sort of researching players. So I would say I would say she was less impulsive than me because I can't mm. like sometimes I just can't help myself. I just I'll like I love an IPO for example, and I I lose out more often than not on IPOs um, because that's that's the nature of them. But I just I enjoy that sort of that buzz of oh I've got him at this. What's he he's going green 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 red red red. Like I I enjoy that sort of buzz and maybe that's sort of it's definitely the wrong way to play the index, but it's at the same time, it gives you that sort of enjoyment, enjoyment satisfaction. From it. Yeah. So next question. This is an interesting one. The boy Riley, he asked, do you have the same goals for your portfolios? Are you hitting certain targets using the index for certain purposes or goals? Or is it just for, or is it just for fun? As Eddie alluded to, like, do you have a, do you have an end game to this? Is, is there a means to an end? That's a difficult one. Like we, we definitely haven't set goals. Um, we sort of said to each other that if we if we got to 100%, we would sort of start taking money out and sort of eventually try to take all, all our deposits out. But that's for me, that's quite a long way away. Um, I think for me, like I genuinely, I really enjoy Football Index. I, I enjoy sort of how, how engaged you get with it. And I enjoy sort of just, just all about it. So I think if I if I got to the point where I found it a bit of a chore and I wasn't enjoying it so much, that would definitely change things for me. Um, but goal wise, I, I mean, we don't have. Yeah, we, we, we definitely have. we don't withdraw at the moment because we we want to leave our money in there, sort of making more money at the moment. We've got no reason to um, withdraw. Like, our money's in there, 
multiplying and we haven't we haven't out. set a target to say right once we get to that we're going to do this like yeah. um or we haven't we haven't even set sort of we want to buy this with that we just we, we're taking it that comes like we, we saw with the golden assists everything can change quite quickly on so there's always a chance that something massive could change within the company that changes your goals and everything like that so yeah we just sort of take it as it comes to be honest and we're still quite new yeah we're, we're also still learning it as well so that impacts it. Yeah. Well, that that was our last question, guys. Thank you so much for coming on, taking time out of your evening. Where can people find out more about you, Chrissy? Where can people find me? I'm my handle is at Gunaret. Um I don't know if I'm particularly interesting to follow. I, <laughs> <laughs> um people tend to not agree with the lemons that I put. Uh, I think maybe because I shop at the lower end. People are a bit more dubious about what I post. But yeah, if you do want to find me, I am Gunaret. So yeah, I would nice, say nice. And yourself, Eddie? Like I don't even know my handle. I think it's it's something like Eddie Foot Index or something like that. Like I, I think I fell out with vowels that day or something the day I made my uh, I don't I don't know. It's something like at Eddie Foot Index. Yeah, well I'll I'll at you in the Twitter. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So I'm there sure we people go. will find you. I I hope people will be able to find you. And if you don't know my twitter handle at this point uh if you're a regular listener then i kind of worry uh, <laughs> but it's at underline fi guide sometimes the underline does throw people off but yeah give me a follow give me a dm if you're struggling or if you just want to have a chat really but shout out to everyone who's on their commute currently grinding away and shout out to everyone who's not commuting at the moment cleaning a bath cleaning a toilet cooking something going on a run walking a dog all these things that i've been told people do listen to this podcast so thanks everyone so much 